Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Welcome, everyone, to the Feeding and Leading Podcast. My name is Andy Taylor. I'm the East Central Regional Ministry Partner for Oklahoma Baptists. And I am joined together today with Dr. Todd Fisher, the Executive Director, Treasurer of Oklahoma Baptist, and we're happy to have you here with us. Todd? Hey, man. Say hi to all of our pastors today. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing good? I'm sure they are. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Hey. Let's, let's hope they are. <laughs> yes. We do hope that you are. And, and we want to give you this podcast and hope that you're doing a little bit better. Uh, we want to help equip and encourage pastors around the state. Today we're going to talk about a preaching topic. Usually we talk about either preaching or leadership talk topic, and today we're going to delve into the world of preaching a little bit. And Todd, we're talking today about preaching the indicatives of mm-hmm. Scripture. And so just tell us a little bit about what, what does that mean to preach the indicatives? So when we talk about indicatives and in preaching, we're talking about uh, the fact. Uh, we're talking about the, the the teaching point, the principle, the truth uh, that's being taught, the historical thing that's been done. Uh, that's what the indicative is. So if we're going to think of that in terms of preaching, um, you know, here, here's the thing that Jesus did, or this is the the teaching principle that is the truth, that's the, the fact that's being presented to us. So that stands apart from the imperative, which is the call to obey it, right? So the imperative is what we're calling our listeners to do. The indicative would be this is what's been done. So based on what Jesus has done for us, the indicative, uh, that leads to the imperative, which is what we are to do in light of what has been done. So uh, I think that's a good way to look at that. And so I also think we distinguish the indicative in preaching from, um, you know, application, illustration, that kind of— when we say indicative, we're thinking that part of your sermon where you're teaching the the text, you're explaining the words, um, this is what this phrase means, Here's, here's where this phrase is used in other places in the Bible, here's the literary context, the actual teaching part of it, that's what we are talking about when we mean the indicative. Yeah, so just just let me use this as an example. So, for instance, John 1, 1, you know, it tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know the rest of that. Uh, You could even jump on to to verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is telling us in the indicative um, what God has done. As opposed to uh, Matthew 28, the very end, when, he, when Jesus tells us, go and make disciples, that's the imperative mm-hmm. of, of what he is, right. uh, uh, right. that he's giving to his disciples there at the end. And so today we're going to just kind of back up and we're going to look at this idea of, of preaching the indicatives. I mm-hmm. think I'm getting a little far from my mic here. <laughs> um, so... Um, we got a great quote that's down here by, by J. Gresham uh, Machen. Uh, he says, Liberalism begins by telling the sinner what he has to do. Christianity begins by telling the sinner 
what God mm-hmm. has done. Yeah, that that's a that's a famous quote by Machen, and you could also just almost insert, you know, religion. Religion is what you have to do. Yeah. Christianity is what's been done for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think a good kind of background foundation that, that's going to help preachers with thinking about indicative and imperative. And in, in a good sermon, a good biblical sermon, it's got to have both, the indicative and the imperative. And I think we probably talked about this on a previous episode. Um, David Hellman, his little book, Expositional Preaching, talks about the indicative and the imperative like dance partners. Yeah. And uh, if you if you see somebody dance, like let's say you see somebody like doing a waltz, some kind of formal dance like that, and there's nobody with them, no partner, just some guy out there doing the waltz by himself. But it looks like he's holding on got to his, all in the right his wife, but yeah. she's not there. Yeah, um, that that's just that's odd. That that looks weird. And so, our listeners that are familiar with Helms' work, and if any of them have ever been to any of the the, the preaching workshop type things that I've been a part of, they're familiar with that pathway to exposition. Yeah. And that, that that's essentially what, what Helm does there is when you're thinking about your sermon and you're writing your sermon, you you wanna you wanna you know I'm gonna turn this around. Think of it like this. Almost like a this will be easier listening to it as you're listening in the car right now. You think you think of like a baseball diamond. Okay. Going to Heading towards first base is the indicative, and you got to get that down first. The right. word study, the historical context, the literary context, this is what the words mean. This is the indicative, right? And this we have to pause and say that Christianity is a historical construct. Uh, we're talking about real people that actually lived in real places that actually existed and real events that really occurred. Uh, this is not an allegorical, mythological, it's something just set up to be some kind of a framework to point us in the right direction. That's that's really not even indicative. That's that's kind of a jello-y, wishy, uh, but, you know, yeah. hey, Genesis, Adam and Eve, they were really real people that God really created, and the yeah. flood was real, and Babel was real, and all these things really happened. So when you're writing your sermon, you, you've got your text. We're talking expositional preaching. I've got my texts. I've studied my texts. I've done all this. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run to first base, and I'm thinking uh, all of these things, the indicative. Okay, what, what is this text teaching? What's happened in this text? What's the word study, et cetera? Okay, now I'm going to run to second base, and I'm going to think now what's the theological um, uh, kind of – uh, things that this is pointing to. Implications. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, how does this fit in the big picture of the Scripture? How does this How does this text fit with the gospel? And that's where we're kind of want to eventually we're going to head to is we're going to move past second base and towards third base. Um, how does this text point to Jesus? How does this text point to the gospel? Yes. How, how does Jesus fulfill this text if I'm looking at an Old Testament text? And then kind of heading towards home, then we've got to have the imperative and the application, uh, okay, how do I live this out? And you cannot, you cannot have one without the other. So a biblical sermon has to have the truth, the teaching, the fact, but a biblical sermon has to have the call to action. And I'm, not, I'm trying not to preach a sermon here, but this is, uh, this, I think this is very important stuff. Yeah. Okay, if... 
we've got to have all of the bases and we've got to have them in that order when we're preparing a sermon. And even really, you know, it's not delivering a sermon doesn't have to be that mechanical, that, but as right. I'm thinking about the formation of a sermon, I got to have all these bases and I got to have it in this order. If I if I start going to third base and I come at a text or I come at a sermon through application, through culture, through how I feel about it, I'm not going to understand the indicative properly. Right. And uh, I use the telescope illustration on this. If, if, if the body of the telescope is a biblical text, the lens at the end, the big lens at the end is, is the reader and the eyepiece is the author, you got to look through a telescope through the eyepiece. If you don't, then the thing you're trying to look at will not be magnified. If you use a telescope looking through the big lens end, what you're looking at becomes small Di- and distorted. distorted. Yeah. So authorial intent, what the text cannot mean what it never meant. What did this mean when Paul wrote it down? It's got to mean the same for us today. Now, how we apply it may be a little differently. You know, I'm walking to a room, you know, we had our annual meeting a couple of weeks ago. I shook a ton of hands. Nobody kissed me. Thank goodness. That's a good thing. But I'm I'm reading Paul's you know words here. Hey, you know, greet everybody with a holy kiss. Mm-hmm. Well, I will apply. The truth of that is fellowship, camaraderie. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, a love for your for your fellow man. I'm going to do that with a handshake, not a kiss. So I might apply it differently, but mm-hmm. the truth is there. So the truth never changes. The indicative doesn't change, and I I cannot change that. So if I start going to third base, it's going to distort. I'm going to look through the wrong end of the telescope. It's going to distort what the indicative is. So i got to start with authorial intent. What does this mean? The text cannot mean what it never meant going to first base. And then, you know, I can't skip a base. So if I ran straight from first base to third Third. base and I leave out the gospel and I leave out the theological gospel implications of this text and I missed it there as well – I can't just stop at a base. You know, I can't just run to first base and stop. A sermon can't just be indicative. Right. Um, I can't just get up there and say, okay, these are the truths of this, and then that's it. And here's why you can't do that. And this is a little thing I just said. This is a good moment, I think, right here to kind of explain the difference between systematic theology and biblical theology. Yeah. Systematic theology is when we categorize Systematic theology is – let's talk about soteriology. Okay, I'm going to go find all the verses in the Bible about soteriology. We're going to put them in here, and we're going to kind of see what kind of framework it makes. Uh, or creation or ecclesiology, you name it. But biblical theology is when we don't categorize, but we just look at the whole Bible as a flow, how it's presented to us, how this lays out, seeing it as the meta narrative, the big picture that it is. So when you think of Scripture in terms of biblical theology, how is the Bible presented to us? It is presented to us in this impaired, indicative, imperative sense. The greatest illustration of that is the Pauline corpus. So all of Paul's letters, you, you can pretty easily find a demarcation where he moves from indicative to imperative. Right. Um, it, sometimes the indicative is much longer. Like in Romans, Romans yeah, he well, didn't get to the imperative in Romans until 12. 12, yeah. You know, when he talks about a living sacrifice and your mind being... Yeah. Ephesians, he splits it right in the middle. Right in the middle, right? Yeah. So first three chapters, all indicative. Next three chapters, all imperative. Mm-hmm. 
Here's everything Jesus has done for you, chapters 1 to 3 in Ephesians. Now, here's everything you do in light of that. And it's not even there, and he's so careful to say it. It's not even you doing it. It's Jesus doing it through you. But it's still the imperative. It's the life change. So why a sermon has to have indicative imperative is because that's how the Bible, that's how God gave the Bible to us in that kind of framework. So I like to say that God did not give us the Bible you know, just to inform us. It does inform us, but God gave us the Bible to transform us, and and that's that's the the difference. But in talking about indicatives in this episode, they're important because indicatives frame the imperative. And if you go out and try to do the imperative without the indicative, then you're going out doing whatever you want to do. Right. And and so and that's why the and the indicatives got to come first. Right, and then the indicative has to inform and shape and drive the imperative. Um, we are not going to behave rightly if we do not believe rightly. Right. And however we are believing, whatever we think is true, is undoubtedly going to shape how we are acting, how we're speaking, how we're treating people, that kind of thing. So that's why the indicative um, is so is so very important. All right, so. <clears throat> All right, I just thought of this. We're going to do this dangerously off the top of my head, okay? Let's do it. Let's just do kind of a, a little bit of an example of this, mm-hmm. okay? We're going to take it out of John chapter 11, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, it's not in the notes I gave you. <laughs> I've seriously just thought of this. This is John chapter 11. It's, uh, this, it's Passover week. Jesus right. is coming to the temple, He's been in the temple for the last, the first couple of days of the week. He gets up early in the morning. He's going back towards the temple. He curses the fig tree. Mm-hmm. Then he goes in the temple and he immediately cleanses the temple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so th- there's a whole lot of stuff that's there, but the indicatives, the indicatives are kind of the. Um, you know, looking at the text, seeing what the facts are, that, that the, the historical nature. You could talk about the temple and mm-hmm. what it meant, the worship of the Jews, the fact that thousands and thousands of people were making their way for Passover and, and what was going on and why, were, why was Jesus cleansing the temple probably for the second time mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And you could talk, mm-hmm. you know, the pastor's going to dig in and he's going to find those Indicatives, those truths of of what's going uh, of of what's happening. And by the way, why did Jesus curse the fig tree and then immediately walk into the temple? And are the two related? Mm-hmm. All right, so you do that, and then you're at first base. Mm-hmm. Second base, you you begin to look at those those big theological themes that are there, right? Right. right. So Passover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty big. I mean, that's that. In, if you want to talk about biblical theology, then Passover mm-hmm. all the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, the the sense of sin being forgiven, a sacrifice, mm-hmm. a substitutionary sacrifice being made, mm-hmm. and of course that's leading us to third base about what Jesus came to do. Mm-hmm. And and I'm trying to make this short, but and so then the imperative. Uh, being to uh, perhaps you apply it by saying we look at our worship. Is our worship 
withered mm-hmm. like the Jewish mm-hmm. worship had become withered under uh, the pharisaical uh, Jewish religion at that time. Mm-hmm. Does, is that – are we in the ballpark there? Yeah, yeah. And, I, met, and, I didn't mean that tongue-in-cheek there. <laughs> We're in the ballpark. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes maybe a temptation is, 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 is when I'm preaching a sermon – um, and I think most 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 preachers aren't going to just omit the indicative altogether. But sometimes we might treat it a little too lightly. Yeah, and it's right. like, hey, I'm going to preach a 30 minute sermon, and I mean, you know, 28 minutes, 27 minutes of this is going to be a more on the imperative side. Yeah, um, I think we need to think about our sermons being in that balance. Yeah, uh, here is this text. Don't short change or shortcut. You, one, taking the effort to understand what the indicative is in here. Okay, here's what all these things are. Two, like you just said, like with, like with the Passover in that text, mm-hmm. um, you got you to take some time and think through that. Okay, this is the Passover. What is the Passover? What did the Passover mean to the Jewish people? Right. How do I as a Christian look at a Passover? What is Jesus's role in in fulfilling the Passover? What would Passover look just three days later from this? Right, right. Yeah. And then I think, like in the text you just described, okay, here's why why is Jesus doing all of this? Right. And especially like cursing the fig tree. Yeah. And then you make the application. One of the things you see in that text is, um, man, here's all the people that really had the imperative wrong. Right. They, they were not living right. And I'd, I'd, I'd take what you just said, just slap the whole Sermon on the Mount on there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's right. you know, the Sermon on the Mount is, um, okay, here's, here's the indicative. Uh, you have heard, You've heard it said. You have heard that it was said. Yeah. Okay, there's, exactly. the, there's the indicative. Right. Okay, the, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. All right, so let's park on that one for a minute. Yeah. I'm preaching that text. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go look in the. Uh, I'm going to look at the Ten Commandments. Let's talk about why was that one of the Ten Commandments? Why is that important? We can talk about all, all that. Okay, and then you're going to get in your theological consideration. Now I'm thinking about how does Jesus? How does he? How does he fulfill the, the Old Testament law? Okay, how how do I view the Old Testament, and how do I view like the Decalogue? How do I view the Code uh, in in light of Jesus? And I'm going to maybe pause and let's talk a little bit about the difference between ceremonial law and moral law. And adultery right. is the moral law. Adultery has always been wrong, will always be wrong in any time, in any place, in any context. Yeah. But when Jesus then says, "But I say to you." If you even lust after a woman, now here comes the imperative. And Jesus makes it very clear in that string of teaching and that discourse in the Sermon on the Mount, you guys are behaving wrongly because you've understood wrongly. Your imperative is bad because you're, you don't understand the indicative. And so, uh, you know, we, so what do we see then in Jesus' day? They've, they've completely adulterated the, the law so it will suit their own selfish needs. So, hey, I can, 
I can lust over a woman all I want to. I can, you know, whatever, as long as I don't actually sleep with her, then I haven't committed the sin. And Jesus comes along and says, man, you guys have totally missed it. You know, the heart of this thing is that you would be pure and holy in all of this. So I think like what you said with the fig tree and Passover, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, that's a great example of indicative imperative uh, okay, here's the indic- here's the truth in this is the whole code against law command against adultery. Now let's talk about how we live that out. And in the net text, you could even talk about how are the ways that we 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 abuse the imperative. You know, uh, well, you know, I can go out and hey, same thing. As long as you don't, as long as you don't sleep sleep with the woman, right? You know, you can look at all you want to on internet. You can do whatever you want to do, and no. You've you've missed it. So, I think that those are yes, those are good examples of indicative and imperative, and how we want to uh, not cheat either side in terms of the attention we give it, the emphasis we give it. Because if if we get way too heavy on one without the other, mm-hmm. then we're going to start running into some some thin ice. I think. So let me let me ask you this. When a pastor is studying and he's, he's reading the text, he's really examining the text, do you have any uh, thoughts or, or comments that you give these guys about, um, you know, simple ways to, to kind of delineate in, the, in a text that you're reading and uh, in, in how they find the indicative mm-hmm. as a opposed to yeah. the imperative. Yeah. And, th- and there are some yeah. there's some ways. You know, I think depending on how deep you can get into a text, I think you can even look at the grammar many times will tell you that. You know, is this is this an active verb? Is this a participle? Is is this um, it's this idea of making a declaration and then the idea of telling you to do something. Yeah. And so many times in the text if you'll just pay attention to the grammar, it will it will help you with that. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, I think that's that's a good way of seeing it and looking at text, writing notes down, looking at all, looking at that, but thinking in that framework of is this telling me what's been done or is this telling me what to do? Mm-hmm. And when that's you good. can answer that question, you get digging imperative. You got a quote from Lloyd Jones on here. And this is something I want to. I would like to stress before we run out of time in this episode. I think this is really important for guys to remember because this is such an important part of of, of biblical theology. Lloyd Jones said, um, "The Bible is not a book that asks us primarily to do anything. It's a great announcement of what God has done." Yeah. When preachers are working the imperative in their sermon, we've got to remember that Christianity is not behavioral modification. And right. by that I mean it's something you do. It's something you pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Yes, there is discipline. Yes, there's a sense of, you know what, get yourself out of bed and have your quiet time. You know, there, there's a sense of that. And Paul uses that, I think. You, you see that in Paul even in the metaphors he uses. Okay, so you look at the pastoral epistles. Paul's talking to Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, hey, you know, Timothy, being a pastor is kind of like, now look at the professions that he gives him, a farmer, an athlete, a A soldier, soldier, 
What do those occupations all have in common? Incredible hard work and discipline. So, yeah, there's a sense where you got to do this, but there's also an even greater overriding sense where it's Jesus doing it through you. And so, you know, uh, Galatians 2.20, my paraphrase of that is Paul says, hey, everybody, I'm alive, but it's not me that's alive. It's Jesus living his life through me. So we have to understand that the imperative is not a moralism. It's not a you can do it, you know, you got it within you. The whole the indicative is telling me I can't do it. Right. <laughs> the indicative is And that telling, God did. Yes. The indicative says you the point is you can't do it. Yeah. But God did it. And so when you surrender and die to self, he does this through you. So whenever you're giving the imperative and you're giving application, you've got to run that through the filter of the, the indicative. The Christian imperative is always a response mm-hmm. to God's indicative. Mm-hmm. And we have to get it in that order. Yeah, or, that's exactly right. Or we come up with a, a, a Christianized moralism. Yep. Yeah, and, and we've just got to be careful about that. And, and if we don't give enough attention to the indicative, that is one of the cliffs that we can fall off of. Yeah. Is now we've just gotten up here and given people a rah-rah you you can go do it, and uh, but that's not Christianity. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, well, good. Thank you, Todd. All right, man. That's that's uh, a good reminder for us of uh, of looking at uh, the indicative and and uh, having that as a foundation as we move towards the imperative, especially in our preaching. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us again on feeding and leading. And I want to remind you today that we do have an email address, and it is podcast at oklahomabaptist.org. That's oklahomabaptists, that's with an S on the end to make it plural, .org. And we would love your feedback and maybe suggestions. And uh, we want to continue to uh, improve this podcast so that it equips and encourages you. All right. Have a good day, and we'll see you next time. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. Visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptists, advancing the gospel together.